My special guest today is a phenomenal actor who, for my money, has the coolest voice on planet Earth. He took center stage during a time of transformation for the bill. He was the super, and so was his performance. Stephen Hartley, welcome to the Bill Podcast. Hi, Oliver. How are you? I'm very well indeed, sir. As we record this, it's the day after the latest London Marathon. And I understand you've run several marathons yourself. And I, I just wondered if you could share with us your experience of doing what is something I'm in total awe of. Interestingly enough, I actually started running for the Bloodwise running team for Leukemia Research. And it was actually during my tenure as superintendent at the Bill that I was asked to do it. I was asked with a number of other people from the cast to join the Bloodwise running team. And a group of us started off doing the Great North Run, which was up in Newcastle. And I actually, I did it with minimal training. It was the first one I'd ever done. And it took me ages and I couldn't walk for about three days afterwards. Um, And then what I did, I, it was such a great experience that I decided that I was going to take my running a lot more seriously. And that is what I did. And so in total, I think I did five marathons and about 22 half marathons for the Bloodwise running team, which they have a lot of actors running for the running for that particular running team. You know, they've got a lot of people from EastEnders and Emmerdale and Coronation Street. And also, you know, people like Chris Eccleston run for it. So there was a kind of big team of us running and it was great fun. And I haven't actually done anything for them for about four years, but I would love to do one more marathon. It's, to be honest with you, once you've done all the training, the marathon itself is just great fun. But the problem is, is the training. It's A, finding the time um, during the winter months, and B, trying to, ret- trying to remain injury-free. Right. Which at my age is pretty difficult, really, because <laughs> you just get all sorts of stuff starts to go. but. Oddly enough, I sat with my daughter this weekend and we watched the London Marathon and I sat there and I thought, yeah, I I think I want to do one more. So oddly enough, as we're speaking, I was just kind of plotting out when I could start, you know, just start doing a few 10K runs and then start building up. Great. Oh, fantastic. I will probably try and do either next year or the year after if I can just, if my body will cope with it. Um, But certainly the last time I did the London Marathon, by the end of it, my knee was bad. My hip was bad. It was just, right. I was in real agony. But um, yeah, but I really enjoy running and I loved running for that charity. It is a great charity. And running the London Marathon is just really special. Well, something else you've got to be physically fit for. I've seen a recent role. You've been motion captured up for a video game character, which just looks extraordinary. Uh, yes, I have. I've done... Over the last two years, I've probably um, I've probably done about twenty games. I, I was I've been doing the voices for them for quite a long time, and then about a year or so ago, I got asked to do one called Squadron Forty Two, which hasn't come out yet, but it's a huge game, and I did the motion capture for that, and it's a huge game, and it's got Gary Oldman in it, and. Mark Strong and Gillian Anderson, Mark Hamill, Craig Fairbrass, Andy Serkis. It's got a huge cast. Wow. From there, I then did another one called Hellblade, which came out last year, 
which won five BAFTAs. Um, and then the one that's coming out just now is called Blood and Truth, which is it's coming out on Sony VR. So it's and it's quite an experience doing the motion capture. And as you say, you've kind of got to be physically fairly fit, but also you're wearing these Lycra motion capture suits. So and they they don't hide anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> so trust me. And it's you know. If you go and eat a big lunch, you look like a snake that swallowed a rabbit. You know, it's kind of, you're in this lycra suit and it just shows absolutely everything. It's, uh, there's no place to hide in that suit. Um, but they're great. And Blood and Truth is also, that comes out on the 28th of May. Um, and it's also got a good cast. It's got Colin Salmon in it, who did the Bond franchise. Yeah. And also Natasha Little, who probably best known for the night manager, but she's done a lot of stuff. So there's some great people in it and it was great fun to do. And we shot it in Sweden. And I have to say, I've been into Sony and I've kind of seen it on the Oculus Rift VR goggles. And it is quite a remarkable game to be involved in, really. Wow. And, and you've described your character as your baddest bad guy yet. Yes, a pretty bad guy, I've got to say. <laughs> um, He's uh, a guy called Anthony Sharp, who, who under the guise of being a, a legitimate businessman, is a, uh, a huge kind of corporate, well, uh, he's a gangster, basically, at the end of the day. He kind of has aspirations to be a corporate businessman, but he's not. He's kind of an, uh, an East End boy, uh, and he's pretty bad, actually. But it's <laughs> it was great fun to do, and we had, there's some amazing big action set pieces in the game which hopefully the players will just absolutely love doing so yeah that comes out on may the 28th uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing it myself i can't yeah. play any games i've never played anything beyond space invaders um, <laughs> but I, I, I may go into so i might even pop into sony and say come on talk me through this one and let me let me kind of have a look at myself yeah that must be extraordinary. I mean, I, I'm such an admirer, not just of your your natural voice, but you are amazing with the dialects. I've seen both of your show reels online and like every single character has a completely different accent <laughs> and dialect. I mean, that's incredible because yeah. they all seem so natural. I mean, when, when did you first realise you could do that? Because not every, not every actor can change their voice in the way you can. Well, strangely enough, um, I, 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 was, I grew up in Yorkshire and my father was from Yorkshire. So I have a natural northern accent. But my mother came from London. She came from Tottenham and her family are from Tottenham. So I, I kind of naturally have two, I have two native accents in a way, which northern is my natural accent. But I can slip into a London kind of a Cockney accent very easily because I kind of grew up with it around my mum and my mum's family. And um, so, yes, I'm very lucky that both of them sit very easily with me, oddly enough. And, and with an American accent, which I've had to do quite a lot, I, I've kind of had to work on that over the last few years because it was very easy to do. A, a lot of English people just do a stock American accent. But the trick is that I found is you, especially when doing an American accent, you have to make that accent your own accent, not 
a kind of impersonation of someone that you've seen or heard on film or wherever. And certainly the first few times I did an American accent on film, I wasn't that pleased with it. So I kind of went away and learned to do an accent, an American accent that was still me, if that makes sense. Um, And that's the kind of tricky part of it. And it's very interesting that the kind of generation of actors behind me, the younger actors, can all do American accents perfectly, or a lot of them can, because they've grown up with watching so much American television, much more so than I did when I was growing up. So it's quite remarkable, really. And even my eight-year-old daughter, Tess, has watched so many Disney movies and so much kind of American television that she can do a faultless California accent. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, And and we were in LA over the summer. Uh, We were staying with some friends of mine in Los Angeles over the summer, and I had some work meetings, and we kind of turned it into a holiday as well. And all the time we were there, my daughter just spoke in this kind of Californian accent all the time, you know? (laughs) And it was kind of weird because people would meet us, and they'd say... It's so strange. You're both English, but your daughter's Californian. (laughs) Some of you are like, yeah, she's not Californian. She's just putting it on. Don't worry. Um, But she she just spoke for the whole month we were there. She just spoke in a Californian accent. It was... uh, She said, but she does sound like some kind of Disney princess, I have to say. It's a kind of weird accent. So if if she's growing up on... On, on Disney movies, what were you growing up on or what was like the trigger to inspire you into, uh, into acting? <laughs> it's difficult, really. I'd always wanted to be an actor from a very young age. And I used to watch television and I used to watch films growing up. And I would always say to my dad, oh, I can do that. And my dad would just go, oh, no, you can't. Don't be stupid. And he kind of was like, he wasn't particularly encouraging. And I think... You know, for a working class northern boy, being an actor was probably out of his remit, if you know what I mean. It was, mm. It's not something that you, you went and did. But I always remember watching, I watched the film of Oliver growing up, and I always remember I wanted to be the artful dodger that was played by Jack Wilde. And I, I kind of, I loved that character, and I always wanted to be that artful dodger character. But I would wanted to do it, but I didn't actually go ahead and become an actor until I was 22. So it it was a long time in coming really. And it it was a combination of events that allowed me to go and do that. And it was, I had an old school friend of mine, an actress called Janet McTeer, and who is an amazing actress. And she, she had gone to RADA at the age of 18. And I kind of knew her and her family as well. And I remember thinking, I, I, I got to 22 and I was working for a newspaper in Yorkshire. But I thought the thing that I really always wanted to do was become an actor. And then with a bit of help from a friend, I started to look into it. And then I just went for it. And I was very, very, I was very lucky. I I got into the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. And I got in at the first try and to be honest with you, Oliver, it was more about me being in the right place at the right time rather than me being some kind of massively talented actor. I, I was very, very lucky. And I had a wonderful three years there. And 
uh, and I've never really looked back. I, you know, it's it, it's been a pretty good career so far. Oh yeah, I mean, very early in your career, you had your first major role on on television in EastEnders. Yes. And uh, my my mentor at university was a director called Mervyn Cumming, who uh, directed you in some of your uh, some of your episodes. Yeah, I, I I watched all of his VHS tapes, and so presumably, not only did that give you an incredible learning of working in television and multi-camera, but did that train you on the celebrity side? I mean, you were in it when it was getting like 20 million viewers, you know? Yes, I did. I learned a lot in EastEnders because I'd never been on television before. I'd done, I'd done uh, theatre before that. So I, I'd done nothing but theatre for about five years after leaving drama school. I think I'd done one film, maybe. And so going into television and going into EastEnders, I learned a lot from the people around me, a lot from people like Leslie Grantham and Susan Tully. And, certainly, you know, Susan Tully had done a tremendous amount of work as a child actor. And so watching her and watching people like Leslie and Wendy Richard, you kind of learned fairly quickly. And it was a big learning curve for me. And oddly enough, Susan Tully, I was watching Line of Duty the other night That's and right, she yeah. directed it. Incredibly well as well, you know, it's... Yeah, and she directed me in the bill as well. She's a great director and good, you know, amazing for her that she's stepped out of being an actress and, and managed to be so successful being a director. And she's a great director. She was really good when she came into the bill and worked with us. In terms of the celebrity thing, you're right. We had 18, 20 million viewers watching us back in, in, in the mid to late 80s. And that's a weird thing because nowadays, you know, an episode of EastEnders maybe gets 8 million, something like that. Um, and, and 20 million viewers watching it, it was very odd. It was kind of like being a pop star. It was a very strange thing. And it took me a while to adjust to that, to be quite honest, because it did mean that you, with 20 million people watching you, you couldn't walk down a street without being recognized or... You know, I remember I once went to a shopping center in Cardiff and I was just actually going there to do some shopping, but they had to close the shopping center because I had turned up oh. and because so many people, as word went round that I was there, uh, they, they closed the shopping center and they actually asked me to leave. Whoa. And it was just because so many people suddenly turned up and... And that was a very strange experience to have that going on. And I think when I got married or uh, in EastEnders, I think there was about 20 million people saw me get married. So it's a kind of, uh, it, it was a very odd learning curve. And I'm not sure that I was that comfortable with that level of celebrity, to be honest. It, it, I, I, it took me a while to get used to it. And... Uh, I think there were probably times during that period I didn't handle it particularly well. Right. Well, I, I can't even imagine what it's like. Yeah, it was a, it, it was a very, very odd thing. And uh, uh, to have that many people you watching you, you know, twice, three times a week. Well, I suppose it stood you a good stead for a decade later when you're joining the cast of a bill. You've already got that experience under your belt. And, I mean, you'd been in the series a couple of times as a guest actor. How... how Talk us through the process of joining the cast as Tom Chandler. How did that happen? Um, I had been away 
I'd been doing play in Canada and uh, when I finished that, I came back and I did a series for Linda LaPlante called Trial and Retribution. And while I was in Trial and Retribution, while I was actually filming it, Linda LaPlante came to me and said, I've just had a very strange phone call from some of the executives at ITV asking me to send some footage of you in Trial and Retribution. They're thinking about having you as the new kind of superintendent in the bill. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. Then sure enough, about a week later, I got a phone call from my agent saying uh, they want you to go and screen test to be the new superintendent in the bill. But you can't say anything because nobody knows that they are having a huge cast change. And I said, OK. So I went and did my screen test with I actually did my screen test with the late Colin Tarrant, who played Monroe. I did the screen test with him. It was a scene in CID, which I did with him. And at the end of the scene, Colin said to me, he, Colin went, you'll get this. Oh. And I said, thanks. Oh, what a nice thing to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of thought I was probably too young to play the superintendent, uh, to play superintendent Chandler. But in fact, that was what they wanted. I was 40 at the time um, when I went into it and they were looking for a young, uh, the idea of Tom Chandler was that he was a kind of fast tracked young ambitious superintendent and they had the bill went through a major overhaul at that point and it had been after the kind of that don beach and bolton story where there'd been corruption and they did a, a huge overhaul and they they got rid of a lot of characters and then they brought in a whole new group of us into it which at the time got some adverse publicity but to be honest with you, it didn't take long before people adjusted to it. No, and it increased the viewing figures, went up by nearly three million. Yeah, they did. And so, it, you know, it turned out to be quite a good move, really, on their part. And, and I was very proud to go into the bill. I, I'd kind of, I remember the bill first happening whenever it happened in 1984, because they, I remember thinking at the time that when I saw the first episode of the bill, They've got some amazing actors in there, people like John Falthouse, Mark Wingett, Trudy and Eric. That, you know, that they were the mainstay of the cast and every single one of them were really good, accomplished, strong actors. You know, when the bill first started off, there had been nothing like it on British television, really. And so to go in there, in, for me in 2000, you know, it was, it, it, it was a great honour to go in there and do that. And what's it like when, you know, Eric and Mark and Trudy were all still in the, in the show then? What, what's it like when these people are suddenly your, your colleagues, you know, you've grown up watching? There was a, it was a very weird thing because on my first day of filming, uh, my first scene was a huge speech that Chandler had to give to <laughs> yeah, the, the whole cast yeah. in the yeah. canteen. Um, and that was a very, that was quite a nerve wracking thing for me, actually, because you know, I had the whole cast of actors in there. As I said before, some great actors in there. And I had to go and do this whole kind of two-page monologue. But, you know, trust me, I'd learnt it backwards, inside out, <laughs> the wrong way around. And so I, I managed, certainly in the first take, to do the speech without, without a break. I just did it all in one 
take. And then everybody just stood up and gave me a round of applause, which was great. It was great to be amongst some of those guys. As I said to you before, I kind of, for me, the bill still now, even now, if I think of the bill, I think of Eric, Trudy, John Salthouse and Mark are the people that I always think of, oddly enough, as the bill. I don't know why. It's just something in my head that that is what I think of. It's those guys and certainly Eric. You know, certainly Eric Richard was the face of the bill, you know, for a long time. And uh, and I always loved working with Eric. He was great. And I shared a dressing room with Mark for my two years on the bill as well. So. Oh, wow. I interviewed Eric and I, I asked him about a series he did with John Thor and he actually got emotional remembering John Thor paying him a compliment about some of Eric's work that he had seen. Uh, did it? Yeah. And um, that just meant a lot to him. Has there been anyone in your career who you've been so inspired by or moved by or like any heroes? Yes. I mean, I, I've kind of, oddly enough, I, uh, an actor who once made a comment to me, I was working with uh, Robert Lindsay. I, I was on stage with Robert Lindsay doing the musical Oliver and um, uh, at the London Palladium and Robert Lindsay was playing uh, Fagin at, at the time. Um, and we were in rehearsals and uh, Robert suddenly just turned around to everybody and said, this guy is the definitive Bill Sykes. <laughs> wow. And I just remember, because Robert Lindsay was one of my kind of acting heroes, because I'd seen Robert do diverse things, such as Citizen Smith and Get Some In, but I'd also seen him be absolutely brilliant at the Royal Exchange as Hamlet, and brilliant in King Lear as Edmund. And so for Robert to turn to me and just, say you know this guy's the definitive bill sykes and i just remember thinking it was such a compliment coming from someone like that but you know i've been very lucky i've worked with some remarkable actors you know i've worked with people you know from brando to woody harson to you know some extraordinary lauren bacall some extraordinary actors in my career and i've been i've been very lucky to to kind of run a real gamut of work over the years you know from theater to film to episodic television to big tv dramas so you know i've worked with some amazing actors and and sometimes you know i was doing happy valley i did the first series of happy valley and i was doing a scene with sarah lancashire and sarah lancashire did something in the scene which was so absolutely real and in the moment that i actually thought she was talking to me, Stephen Hartley, as opposed to the character of Marcus. And for a split second in it, I just thought, wait, has she come out of character and she's talking to me? And it was, it was a very odd thing. And it was just purely that Sarah had just been so absolutely real and in the moment. And I, I remember after that take, just thinking, oh my God. And you know, she, it was quite remarkable, really, as was her performance in Happy Valley, I thought. I, I yeah. thought it was an extraordinary performance that she gave. But, yeah, so I've been really lucky. I've had some, you know, I've worked with some really amazing actors and actresses. And someone, one of your colleagues from Abel, who I think 
deserve some praise is Natalie Rolls yes. and Debbie McAllister. Uh, and, Absolutely. And they threw you both into, I mean, what a storyline. How, how how far in advance did you know that was going to happen? I mean, what was the deal? Was it like, because you did two and a half years, did you know at the beginning you'd be doing that a length of time? How did your character and role develop? What happened was there was, um, we had a change of exec producer about halfway through my tenure as superintendent and they brought in a guy called Paul Marquis and uh, Paul Marquis did a huge cast change when he turned up um, and it was quite controversial. He, he, he had an idea. He felt the bill was dated. He wanted to slightly change the format and he got rid of a tremendous amount of characters and some of them who had been there for a long time. And he said to me that he wanted, uh, we had a conversation, a meeting, and he said to me, I want to turn your character into this, into this manipulative, pretty horrible bad guy. And he said, but it will probably mean you leaving the show in about a year. Where do you stand with that? And to be honest with you, I never intended to stay in the bill for a long length of time. It would never have been much more than three years. So I said to Paul, look, I'm fine with that as long as you give me a good storyline, which he did. I didn't know what form that storyline was going to take and that it would involve Natalie and Tanya Emery. But I had a very good relationship with Natalie before that storyline happened anyway. So working so closely with her wasn't that difficult. And she was great. I thought she did a great job. And for me, it was quite an intense period of time because, in fact, for my last year in the bill, I was, on, I was in almost every episode. And so it was a huge kind of work commitment for me. Uh, and there was one point during filming where I'd worked 38 days solid without a break. So, just including weekends. So Chandler's breakdown, I felt that was, <laughs> I, was, I was so exhausted as an actor that I was kind of half having a breakdown myself trying to get through it. But, but yeah, it was a very intense storyline and Natalie was absolutely fantastic. And I mean, even when I died, she had to kind of carry on that storyline with, with Meadows and, and, yeah. you know, she had a, a ways to go on it actually. You're both exceptional in that in that last episode in particular. I mean, that is thank just, you. Oh, it's it's a pleasure. I mean, you just really, really shine. And and what happens when you read a script like that? Do you just rub your hands together and think, "Wow"? Uh, yes, I, I I I was just reading it and I didn't see it coming at all. So I, I knew that uh, I knew that I was going out in a couple of months, but I didn't quite realise they were going to do that and. And it was gathering pace very quickly. And I wasn't quite sure whether or not they were just going to send me, look, Mickey Webb and Meadows were kind of going to find me out and send me off to prison. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly I read that I was going to blow my head off, really yeah. off it. <laughs> With a pregnant, married Debbie McAllister, I was going, to, okay. Oh, all right. We're going there then, are we? I mean, the, oddly enough, Natalie Rolls and I were talking not very long ago. And we were laughing at our heads off because Natalie and I had to do a kind of, we had to do a sex scene in the middle of, I don't know if you remember it, but there is a, uh, a memorial for all the people who get killed in the kind of yeah. bombing or the fire. Yeah. And we end up having 
going to the toilet and having sex <laughs> in the middle of it, which was very bizarre because it, it had never been done before in the bill in that way. And also Natalie and I, having had a morning filming the memorial service, then had to have an afternoon where we were kind of having rampant sex in a toilet cubicle somewhere in Bromley. It, it was really odd. And we were laughing about it because it was just such an odd thing. Yeah. And, it, you know, when we read the episode, we were like, wait, wait, we just disappear and have sex. It was, um, uh, it was, and it was very funny because, you know, Natalie and I's characters hadn't really interacted that much up until that point. And all of a sudden it, it just became that. Um, yeah, it was quite odd. I mean, it must have been a strange time as well, because, you know, there, there will have been, you know, colleagues that you'd got to know who were suddenly being axed around you as well. So it's it must have been a very strange time behind the scenes as well as for the characters, you know. Uh, yes, it was. And I think there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, also, a lot of people were, the, uh, you know, there'd been people who'd been there for 15 years or more who were sudden, whose characters were suddenly axed. And for them, I think that was quite an emotional it was quite an emotional trauma, quite understandably, if you've been in a show for that long. I mean, the difficulty is, as actors, it's always transient anyway. So you can never be surprised. I saw it happen when I was in EastEnders, and, and I've seen it happen before. So as an actor, I think you just have to be aware that that can happen at any point. But it doesn't make it any easier when it does happen. And uh, to be honest, because I, when that happened, I'd only been in the bill a year. Some of those actors, I barely knew. I'd only had a couple of scenes with them, really, over that period of a year. So from my own personal point of view, it, it wasn't that traumatic. But I could see that for them and for other members of the cast, it was. And also, I think probably some people were treated slightly unfairly in that situation, in that their contracts ended quite abruptly. They weren't given much notice and they didn't have any idea that they were going to be going. Such is the nature of television, I'm afraid, but nevertheless, I mean, I don't know if there's ever a great way to lose your job, is there, you know what I mean? No. Whether it's, yeah. you know, whether you're told six months in advance or whether you're told a couple of weeks in advance, which is kind of what happened to some of those guys and uh, some of those actors and actresses. So, you know, I think that was very difficult and certainly in a long running series like that, but as an actor, it's part and parcel of the job, I'm afraid. And how was life immediately for you when, you know, you'd, you were working really hard, long days, getting presumably into quite a good working routine? And once you had finished, what was life immediately like after the bill? Um, it was quite strange because you do have a routine, obviously. And I was living in, I was actually living in Dulwich in London. So I was able to get to the bill studios in about 20 minutes, 30 minutes by car every morning so you kind of have a routine where you i just get up and get in the car really and at, at, at kind of 6 a.m uh, or 5 30 a.m and get to the studio for around 6 6 30 and you do have a period of time where you're basically living your life in your dressing room and so there there is a period of adjustment I, when i finished the bill I actually went straight into Holby City and did literally the week afterwards a few episodes of Holby City. And then I think I went into Doctors not long after that for about six months. So 
it was probably after I finished doctors and I had a period of unemployment that it was weird for me not having a routine. And with doctors, doctors was filmed in Birmingham. So I was actually, I was commuting almost from Birmingham. Uh, uh, there was, there were odd nights where I'd stay up there. So that was quite an intense schedule as well. But I think it was when I finished doctors that I kind of had a bit of a, a period where I was just like, oh, okay, what do you do now? That was quite odd for me. But I think upon leaving the bill, I think I was in Holby pretty well a couple of weeks afterwards. Then there was a, probably about two or three weeks and then I was off and did doctors. So there wasn't, for me, an immediate fallout. And some actors don't recover from that fallout, do they? Their careers, they stop or they get typecast, which you don't appear from an outsider looking at your resume to have suffered from that typecast. You've played a, quite a rich tapestry of different characters. Often, often I love your portrayal of people who suffer from loss, you know? You play that really, really wonderfully. Thank you very much. Yes, I mean, I, I, I kind of haven't suffered too much fallout. Um, and I think that's because with both EastEnders and The Bill, I was never, I never did much more than two and a half years. I think I did two and a half years in EastEnders and probably around the same in The Bill. So there's never been a prolonged period of time. But however, nevertheless, I would say there are still... In the, certainly with the public, and especially because the bill has been on again recently on the drama channel, there is still within the public a perception of me as being Tom Chandler. What is an odd perception is that people say to me, oh, you did the bill for about 15 years, didn't you? And I <laughs> say, well, no, I was in it for two years. No, you, and they say, no, you weren't. You were in it for ages. No, I wasn't. And I'm not sure why that is. I think it was the nature of the storyline and the fact that in the two years I was there, I was in pretty well, I, I was in most of the episodes for the two and a half years I was there. In fact, in that two and a half years, I probably shot more episodes than someone that had been in it for about six years, where they were just popping in and out, emptying a filing cabinet. You were in at least 120 episodes, so that's like at least two episodes every single week. Absolutely. <laughs> for two so, years, so yeah. I mean, up, certainly up until about 10 years ago, people would go, oh, Tom Chandler in the bill. Whereas now I think what happens is people look at me and go, oh, wait, you're that guy off the telly. <laughs> as, opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to it being specific. But, you know, I have to say, because they've been rerunning it on the drama channel, certainly a lot more recently, I've had people saying to me, oh, you're the guy off the bill. But of course, it was you know it was nineteen years ago, so so I look a bit different. <laughs> oh no, not not at all. You look fantastic. I mean, you're one of those guys that just keep getting better and better. I think. I mean, I'll, I'll have some of your jeans, please. <laughs> Thanks. Would you have ever thought back then when you were doing it that new audiences will be discovering your work twenty years on? No, I didn't, and it's purely because of the advent of I think the way media works now which wasn't really on the cards back then in 2000. The amount of television with channels and channels we have and the amount of different platforms that we have. I mean, that is also a kind of odd thing is that people, I think often people don't realize, sometimes members of the public, if they haven't seen you on terrestrial television for a year, they think you're not working. So frequently I'll get people, people will say to me, 
I haven't seen you on television for a while. And you're going to go, well, there's about 200 television channels now for a start. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. you could be doing something, you know, you can be doing something on a completely different, you know, on a channel that's maybe that they don't watch. So it's quite an odd thing, but people do have sometimes have a tendency to assume that if you're not on BBC one or ITV, that you've retired to sell shoes, you know, somewhere. <laughs> and you kind of go, no, I'm still working. Really? Yeah. I, I haven't seen you. You know, and you kind of go, well, I don't know what you watch, but you know, so it's quite an odd one, really. I find it, I find it unusual that anyone would actually uh, say that to you. You know, I mean, oh, people it... do. Wow. Yeah. No, they do. They say all sorts of stuff. No, you. I'll, sometimes I'll be walking down the street and the people, someone will just go, not working then? And you go, well, not today, no. Why? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Not working then? You go, well, not today, no. I'm, I'm on the school run. Cool. And, uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's quite an, it's, it's an odd one. <laughs> You've still got a long career ahead of you. What, what, are, what are your hopes for the future? What are the kind of roles you that are still unfulfilled or, or doesn't it work like that? Well, it, yes, it does. I mean, I, I haven't done any theatre for about four years and I would like to do some more theatre, but I really, really would love to do one of these Netflix or Amazon series. I really would love yeah. to do one. I think some of the stuff that's going on on television now is absolutely phenomenal. I think it's, I think the way that it's evolved storytelling wise it's absolutely fantastic, and I would love to be involved in some of those. I've got some friends of mine, an actor, like an actor called Alastair Petrie, who has done, he did The Night Manager, and he's gone on recently to do some fantastic Netflix series and Amazon series, um, and I would love to be involved in some of those. And, and also, I quite like to do, I quite fancy doing one of those medieval kind of things. Yeah. I I'd really love to do one of those. Um, yeah. I mean, I just want to keep working as an actor and, and I want to keep being as diverse as I can as an actor as well so that I'm doing a range of roles in a range of different mediums. And, mm. the, you know, the whole game medium is one that two years ago, I had no idea it was as big as it was. And I'm doing another game at the moment, which I'm not allowed to say what it is because I've had to sign a non-disclosure until they announce it but I'm doing another one and that is a huge industry in itself the way they tell stories is completely different from the way it's told on television or film the way that the motion capture performance capture is done it's almost a perfect hybrid of film and theater because you have the physicality that you have that when you're doing theater that you have to have the focus that you do when you're doing a film it's 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 a really interesting uh, medium, and, I'm, and, and I've enjoyed doing those as well. Uh, you know, they're really good fun to do. A personal preference for me, I, I'd love to see you in Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to do a Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, you'd be awesome in Doctor Who. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. You, you, could be the, you could be the master. Yeah, I'd, uh, no, I would love to do that. And I think Doctor Who, I think they've been really smart the way they've gone about reinventing themselves. And uh, and having a female doctor as well, but the way they've reinvented that genre, you know, when they reinvented it with Chris Eccleston at that time round, you know, and going on and having Dave Tennant and Matt Smith 
I mean, I think it's brilliant what they've done with it. I love to do Doctor Who. It would be great. Do you think they could ever reinvent the bill? Yeah, I think they will reinvent the bill. I think someone somewhere will look at that franchise um, and the way that it, they would go, I think what they would do is go back to the way the bill was probably in its early years with short, gritty storylines. I think the bill got to a point where it needed to be reinvented and it was reinvented, but I felt that it went too far the other way and started to get involved too much in the police officer's personal lives. I think it should have remained a cop show and a cop drama. And there isn't one really that's on at the moment that is in the same, that is done in the same way, you know, line of duty and stuff like that is completely different the way it's formatted. And I think there is room for something like the bill to come back in probably a short episodic format telling cop stories but i don't think it needs to enter into soapland which is what i felt that it started to do i felt it started to do that around the time that i was leaving and after i left i think it went too far the other way and i think it needed to i don't think we needed to know that much about the, the police officers personal lives i think it should have stayed as a crime drama and that's where the bill's strength was and I think somebody somewhere will take that franchise over and they will have a look at it because, because I think there is room for it. And also, I think it could be reinvented, most definitely. And you get a, a, a group of younger actors and you get it updated into the 21st century and I think it would work. Well, there's a, a massive fan base out there who are going to be so thrilled to have heard your memories and will be so grateful that you've shared your time with us and something that they and i like to ask is for you to nominate a charity that we can donate a couple of quid to something that you know means something to you is is there one in particular you'd like to nominate uh yes the charity that i ran for bloodwise leukemia research that would be great and if you could when you do make the donation just let them know that it's come from from this interview that would be fantastic thank you oh thank you ever so much and and Stephen, what what is your message to fans of Tom Chandler, fans of the Bill that are tuning in and listening to your memories today? What is your message for them? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, my mem- I think my message is is that uh, during the period of the Bill for twenty six years, and I, I think what people have to know and understand is that no show lasts for twenty six years without real kind of quality behind it, quality script writing quality actors and quality technicians. And, and, and I hope people just realize that the amount of quality actors and people that, and creative people that went through that show to make it what it was. And that many of them are still out there today doing what they do best. I'm really grateful for you to spend your time with us on, on the podcast today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Oliver, and thank you for asking me. You can find out more and make a donation to Bloodwise at bloodwise.org.uk and make sure you mention the legend Stephen Hartley. So generous with his time, some gold dust from that era of the bill. Next time on the podcast, I'm not going to tell you actually. It's all going to be a surprise from now on. 
No pre-announcements, just brand new episodes launching when they launch, when I have time. I'm grateful for your support. Thanks for bearing with me while I got this investigation back on track. I'll see you soon to crack another case. But in the meantime, here's that theme tune again from the very talented, the mighty Greasy MG. (laughs) 